In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB, although it's a far less useful JB than I'm used to because JB, you had a prior engagement. We're unable to make it out to the game today. Why are you here? That is a good question. One, uh, In fact, I'm asking myself uh, currently at 1223 a.m. Uh, I suppose that I have a number of questions that I would like answers to. Um, so that will be my justification. Yeah, actually, and I have some questions to ask you sort of philosophically, and I guess that is also how you will contribute to this episode. But yeah, a really, really exciting game. And you can't always say that about preseason games. In fact, most of the time, I think preseason games are, are terrible in almost any sport. And we have been treated to two consecutive barn burner finishes uh, last week in Ottawa with a loss and this week in Guelph against the Tiger Cats with a win. The Argonauts winning 18 to 17 on a Boris Beattie 33 yard field goal on the last play of the game. <laughs> there's there's a there's got to be a little bit of flashback for Hamilton fans. I know there were some sitting right in front of us who felt very much like they had the game in hand with about a minute to go. And JB, you remember we were in in Hamilton, uh, you know, last year for that miraculous uh, comeback and Boris Beattie long field goal for the win. It felt very much the same way there where all the Hamilton fans felt like, yo, it's over, you know, game's done. And there's Beattie just uh, ripping their heart out one more time. So I'm going to go through. A little bit of a recap first, just because there were, I know a lot of people that were unable to watch the game. It wasn't on TSN. It was being live streamed on Argonauts.ca, which was amazing that they were able to do that. But I know that that didn't necessarily work for everybody. So I'm just going to do a really brief recap. And then uh, we'll go through some of the analysis, some of the players that really stood out, uh, good and bad, and where we go from here. So first of all, before I get into anything else, I, I need to comment quickly on the weather in Guelph. I don't know Guelph that well. I haven't spent a lot of time in Guelph. I spent last summer there quite a bit for training camp. And then these past few weeks there quite a bit for training camp. I feel like every time I go to Guelph, I need to bring 10 outfits. On my way there today, I checked my weather app before I left. It was sunny, you know, sunny icon, no clouds. 10% chance of rain. I thought, great. Headed off to Guelph. I arrive at about 4.30, step outside the car, and it starts hailing. Then it rains for a little while. Then it was the most beautiful, spectacular evening I've ever seen. And then it was about minus 10 at the end of the game and really windy. Uh, and I just don't know if this is how Guelph is all the time or just when I'm there. But I I just, I, I have a feeling that that's just how Guelph is for whatever reason. That's my impression of it. So, yeah, we went through everything. We went through all four seasons uh, at the game, including some very heavy wind that Boris Beattie had to kick into at the end. Because uh, there wasn't wind uh, for the other uh, 57 minutes of that game. So the game starts off uh, with McLeod Bethel-Thompson leading the Argos offense out there. 
And the line looked pretty much like the starting unit, except Gregor McKellar was in at right guard. Otherwise, they were sort of set up. Peter Nicastro was still out, so it was Justin Lawrence at center. Uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson had quite a few different receivers rotating in and out, which I found made it very tough. Uh, by the end of the half, he'd completed passes to eight different receivers, but he just didn't really look 100% on. He made some really nice reads. He made some really nice throws. But there were also a few that just got away from him. And you could kind of sense throughout that first half that it, it just felt like they wanted to get him in the end zone. And if he could have scored a touchdown, they would have pulled him at that point and put in Chad Kelly. But uh, instead, the Argos you know, have a really nice opening drive. They are in a position to kick a field goal, but I like what they did. It's it's third and four from the 28. They go for it. Um, it's an incomplete pass uh, into the end zone, and uh, they end up, you know, throwing away what could have been a an easy field goal. But JB, you you back up that decision there. First first drive preseason game, third and four from the opposition 28. Why not go for it? Yeah, right? definitely. I think you you know like you're going to get BD's work, and. We talked last year. One of the weaknesses of the team last year was Macbeth in the red zone. Um, that it is not an area that he seems to uh, excel at in that sort of closed box um, style of offense. And I, I think that for sure is something that I would like to see him get more comfortable with. And I'd love to see the play calling Um become more effective in that area. So I'm, I was glad to hear that. Do you do it in a regular season game? Because uh, <clears throat> you're aggressive. Like, I know you yeah. like aggressive calls. Um, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think you... I think I, I always err on the side of points to uh, to take points. I, it, it, it depends on who you're playing. I think if you're if you're playing a really good team... And you know you're going to need to get to 30. Then I then I I definitely go for the touchdown. You know, it, it, and Hamilton did have a lot of starters out there yeah. on their defensive unit. So it's, 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 it's kind of a weird game that way because you had most of Toronto's starters on both sides. Hamilton had a lot of defensive starters out there, but not a lot of offensive uh, starters out there, and and they were pretty quick to rotate through, and so that became even even fewer guys that that you recognized, but. Um, yeah, the that drive, it started off so well. You had an A.J. Wallet run for five yards. Bethel Thompson hits uh, Giddens Jr. with a 26-yard gain, then a short pass to Devaris Daniels. And then uh, Wallet with a, just a one-yard run, but he had, like annihilated two people on that one-yard run, as he's apt to do. And then so, you, you know, you have Bethel Thompson not having missed a pass yet, third and four in the 28. I think they would have loved to, to finish that drive with a touchdown, but it wasn't to be. Um, the Toronto defense was stellar today. And so it was a two and out that they forced to Hamilton. Toronto gets the ball back. Um, and you know, they, they move it, they moved it on every drive, but they just couldn't quite, they just couldn't quite get there. So again, they get to midfield, they got to punt it away. And this is where we had some flashbacks, uh, from last season. So Haggerty booms a 44 yard punt. It is returned by Woods for 99 yards for the touchdown. It was broken tackles, um, uh, getting to the outside and, 
we've seen that before. We've seen special teams haunt the Argos last season at times. So that was not encouraging, especially given that the defense was was playing so well. So it's 7-0 Hamilton. Toronto adds a field goal as the uh, first quarter comes to an end. So it's 7-3 after one. They left uh, pretty much everybody in that offensive unit in for the second quarter. And uh, they, you know, were moving the ball. They continued to move the ball. Hamilton continued to struggle. Uh, and it it just wasn't really, the, the second quarter didn't have the pace uh, that the rest of the game did. It was, it was very much a, a sort of plotting affair. So Toronto ends up adding another field goal. They're down a point. Uh, Hamilton adds a field goal. And then Toronto ends the half with an 18-yard field goal from Boris Beattie. So it's 10-9 at halftime, which isn't a very exciting score. But it was an interesting first half to watch. And it's kind of funny. Preseason games are so weird to cover because I was automatically thinking, okay, uh, adjustments, halftime adjustments. And, of course, that's not really the way that most preseason games work because you're sending out entirely different units. And this is, of course, what happened with the Argonauts. They send out Chad Kelly to start the third quarter. And it got kind of interesting. The The third quarter was all about Chad Kelly. So his first drive was phenomenal. I think he ended up going, I think it was actually six for seven or, or five for six on that first drive. It ends in a touchdown to Isaiah Wright. Um, there was some weird stuff that went on. They got down to the one yard line. They ran a QB sneak a couple of times. There's a penalty against Hamilton, penalty against Toronto. Um, anyway, Chad Kelly gets back out there. Uh, throws to Isaiah Wright for the touchdown. And it was just a wonderful drive from him. Uh, accurate, in control, a pass after completed pass. And so Toronto takes a, a 15 to 10 lead. And uh, it it looked like things were now going to be in Toronto's control, except we got a very different Chad Kelly in the next drive. He just had that amazing drive. And this is what you get sometimes with rookie quarterbacks. He gets out there, they're backed up in their own end. He has an incomplete pass to DeMonte Coxey, who really should have caught that ball. And I wonder if that stayed with him a little bit, because on the very next play, it looked like he didn't quite... Either he expected Jamari Hester to do something different, or he misread the play, because there was sort of an awkward double clutch. And he ends up throwing a pick to Witherspoon uh, at the, I think it was the 34-yard line, and the very next play, sudden change, um, Hamilton just airs one out uh, and gets the 34-yard touchdown. So they're back out in front. Um, and it felt for a while like this was how the game was going to finish because Chad Kelly, again, uh, going in deep in his own end. They, it was uh, an unfortunate series of events that led to them starting deep in their own end. And two straight incomplete passes, and out we go uh, on defense again. So we're heading to the fourth quarter, still 16-15 for Hamilton. And now uh, Austin Simmons comes in the game. And there's just absolutely no uh, field position for Toronto. So uh, it, it just looked like this might be the way it finishes. We've seen preseason games end like this in the past. Uh, Hamilton ends up adding a rouge. They're now up by two. And then things got really exciting late. So uh, Austin Simmons drives the Argonauts uh, down the field. They get into Bohurst Beatty field goal range. This is about uh, two minutes to go at this point. And 
Simmons runs what looks like a quarterback draw. I don't know if it was just his own read or if that was the only called play on that, but he runs a draw into a double A-gap blitz and gets annihilated for like a five-yard loss. And now we're right on the edge. Boris Beattie looking into a really strong wind from 52 yards. He had the distance, but he misses it left. And this is where the Hamilton fans are celebrating uh, Hamilton takes the the ball over on their their own nine yard line. They get a first down on a fifteen yard run. More celebrating, but then they're stuffed twice in a row. Timeouts called. They punt the ball away, and it's a really nice return from Isaiah Wright. He gets fifteen yards on the return, and so there are the Argonauts back at the Hamilton forty five yard line with nineteen seconds to go, and in comes Chad Kelly. Uh, back off the bench and what a great situation to send him in on JB and I want just before we sort of go over how the game wraps up how do you I guess how do you look at this differently from last week because we praised coach Dinwiddie last week for not sending Chad Kelly back in to try and win that game for leaving Simmons out there because that's what the schedule was that was his time and you know it's just a preseason game it doesn't matter if you win or lose it so, you know, we thought that was fine last week. And yet it felt like the right thing to do this week to send Chad Kelly out there for those last two plays. Why? Uh, I can only assume uh, that coach wanted to see Kelly in a cold, unexpected spot. You know, here we go. We've got 30 seconds left. Quarterback is hurt. Come in, you know, run your plays. And so it was a situational opportunity to to test him, you know, being cold on the bench, you know, a quick quick warm up and then right into it and we need you to not just not fumble, but we need you to drive the ball down the field. Um, you know, obviously it's against lesser competition and so it's not a perfect, you know, reenactment. Uh, but I, I I mean I like it if that if that was the thinking. Uh, I think that makes sense, you know, it it's always a risk when you send quarterbacks out when you're not behind your number one offensive line. Um, that is a gamble. So I wouldn't say it was a move that had no chance of, of backfiring or danger um, because look, it happens. You saw in the, the, you know, the, the Calgary game. I mean, people can get, people can get pretty laid out um, if they're behind um a less than efficient offensive line, but uh, I like it. I, I like the, I like the move and that uh, they were testing Kelly to see if he could move the ball in a, in a hurry up offense. And uh, you know, if, if that was the thinking, I mean, I'm projecting a lot here, but if that was the thinking, I'm, I'm all for it because, you know, I think really what they want here is let's, let's push this development here. This is not a five year plan. Um, Let's see if this guy's good and, and let him, in essence, push the starter as much as possible. If he can, if he can pass these tests, then um, you know we we have something here. So I'm I'm all for finding out. And he did pass the test. So first pass is completed to Jamari Hester for eight yards. It was just a, a hook route. Hamilton was sort of playing off, wanting to avoid a big play. And then he found Jamari Hester again on the very next play. Hester made a, a great move to uh, avoid a tackle. Uh, ended up getting out of bounds. Four seconds left on the clock. And yeah, Beattie nails it through. 
we'll we'll talk about BD a bit more uh, as we sort of go through positional groups and and you know what it looked like today. But it wasn't your typical Boris BD game. We'll get to that when we cover special teams. So let's start with the the passing. So I think they need another quarterback, JB. I McLeod Bethel Thompson, I, I think will pull it together. He didn't look himself today, but he's still fine. It was still still over 60% completions. He still had a clean sheet, 187 yards on 16 of 26 passing. He was fine. He was a few inches away from being great from really having a day, but uh, they they certainly let him throw it uh, to have 26 passing attempts in a half. You know, they were they were trying to get him going and trying to establish some, some rhythm. And Chad Kelly, eight, eight of 15 for 85 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, you know, he, he looked like a great rookie who was going to give you moments of brilliance, and he did that twice. And then he also had some some really frustrating drives and some frustrating results um, and indirectly led to to that Hamilton touchdown. And Austin Simmons, I'm not sure. You know, he was two for five, 32 yards. He did some damage with his legs, but he's not really look like a, a passer. And that's something that you need in the CFL. Uh, they've got to have their eye on somebody, right? Like, there's got to be someone that they think is going to get released, is not going to make it past final cuts. Like, do you, do you think this is this is it for the quarterbacks? There's just going to be these three guys? Um, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, I think there are lots of schools of thought. Um, you know, some might say you want a veteran old hand back there who can, you know, continue to help teach the offense. Um some some are, are okay with, you know, having a backup who look you you know basically like if your starter gets hurt then, then you're just gonna punt the season anyway, um, so you know I, I it's hard for me to say they like because I can't imagine who they could find, uh, who's kicking around camps right now, but it I they definitely need to add a starter with some CFL experience because. Um, you know, I, I don't. I think it's unfair to expect Chad Kelly to to be the person who's going to come in and run this. I mean, right now, I mean, at, at the very least, I would, he needs a year of learning the league and learning plays and you know, prepping and 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 being ready. Because otherwise, you know, you're, you're you know you're going to get um, terrible quarterback play. Right? You're going to get interceptions from your own twenty. Um, that kind of stuff that just kills you. And the Argos are not built to to blow teams out. So, like, that's, you know, you want somebody who, who can, you know, move the ball efficiently, uh, but is not going to turn over the ball and let the defense do their work. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, I think that a, a veteran quarterback, but I, I, I mean, that's nice to say. I don't know where said veteran uh, is going to come from other than maybe Damon Allen has suggested that he would like to play again. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I'd, I'd give him a look. No, so, no. No, I know. Obviously not. Uh, Bethel Thompson took a lot of hits today, and that made me really nervous, especially because I don't think he's 100% to begin with. And the thing is, he's so tough. Like, he hangs in the pocket. We saw that all last year where he, he he got crunched a bunch of times and just, you know, found a way to keep going, keep plugging away. The 
O-line had a good day when nobody was blitzing. When when there was no blitz, the O-line gave the quarterbacks time all throughout the game. The first unit, the second unit, third unit, they, they give them a lot of time. They had trouble picking up the blitz, and that makes me nervous. And that's where Bethel Thompson took his hits, especially delayed blitzes. They just seemed to come right through. The, the linemen would sort of commit to their guys. A split-second delay, here comes the linebacker, and he'd just go plowing into Bethel Thompson. Uh, MBT had some some good pocket presence, some good pocket movement. He was able to escape a few times, but he just took way too many hits. And and it's just not worth it in this stage. I know he wanted to, I'm sure he was frustrated. He wanted to connect downfield with these receivers. He knew he wanted to get a score on the board and so was hanging in there. But yeah, that could have, that could have gone really badly. Um, you know, the O-line, it, it is tough having both Lawrence and McKellar right next to each other on that line. I don't think that's where the breakdowns were always happening, um, but there were clearly some communication issues there that have to be sorted out. So hopefully they can do that before the Argos open the season in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, running backs, they got three guys involved. Uh, boy with the most carries, 10 carries for 42 yards. AJ Ouellette, five carries, 14 yards. And Javon League, three carries for five yards. And the quarterbacks had a little bit of running room too. So the Adebayo thing is interesting. He looked like, again, a, a running back with a lot of potential, but a young running back. A lot of movement, uh, you know, unnecessary movement. There was a lot of stuff going on. It looks sometimes like a new player playing Madden who's hitting all the buttons at once. And he sort of had all the moves going on. He was spinning, he was juking. And there were times where you just got to hit the hole and, and get through. And he did that sometimes, but other times he just got really caught up in in moves behind the line of scrimmage. So a good day from him. He had some really nice runs. I, and I, I thought, you know, obviously Harris wasn't wasn't out there carrying uh, the ball. But yeah, he had the best day of, of the running backs. Averaging 4.2 yards a carry is fine um, in the CFL. That's, that's okay. But yeah, he had a couple of really nice runs. Wasn't able to break a really long one. Uh, his longest run was eight yards. Uh, he got outside once, and I thought there was a chance for him to really go, and he just got tripped up. But I think overall, a good day from him. But he's going to look at that film, and they're going to be all over him about those those extra moves and just stuff that doesn't need to be there. AJ Wallette, you know, as much as I love watching him lower his shoulder and pound into guys, I'm not sure. You know, five carries, 14 yards, averaging 2.8. Uh, not like Javon Leak ran away with it carrying the football but Javon League adds so much in that return game and I just can't see them dressing two Americans I think they keep all four of the running backs but I, I'm not sure that we see a lot of AJ Wallet this year JB no I I don't I mean I think it, at, you know if you look at uh of a boy of stat line you know that's impressive for a rookie even in an exhibition game um, you know, most Canadian running backs are not getting uh, much success, you know, even in an exhibition game. Um, so, look, if he can be a bit of the power game, for sure, I think um, that's going to reduce Olette. And, and and then the question will become, can he catch? And because, like, obviously, Olette has shown the ability to catch it out of the backfield. Um, but I agree. I think that those two guys are... Um, pretty close in skill set to each other, or at least close enough that uh, it'll be hard to justify uh, 
to having that, especially if Leak is getting started because of his return ability. Yeah, and and Leak uh, did look good. Like, he had two receptions uh, for 19 yards. Uh, one of them went for for 15 yards. It was a really nice play, and you know he looked comfortable there. But you know, well, that contributed that way too. He, I believe, caught a screen that went for 16 yards, and then then had another uh, pass somewhere in there. I can't can't quite remember when that one was, but. Yeah, like that's that's the thing we've said this about AJ Willett before is that there's he doesn't do anything badly. It's just he there's nothing he does that explodes uh, where you're like, wow, look at that guy. And you know, Javon League has that in terms of his speed and explosion to the outside. Uh, Adebo Boye, aside from being Canadian and a and a rookie, you know, has moves and has the ability to make guys miss, and that's not something you see a lot of from from AJ Willett. Let's turn our attention to the receivers. So many different receivers getting involved today. It felt to me like they really wanted to take a look at a couple guys in particular. They got Jamari Hester very involved. Um, they, they tried to get Brandon Banks involved early. He was out there uh, for seven targets, but they were all in that first half as McLeod Bethel Thompson was trying to connect with him. He just missed him on what would have been a touchdown pass. And I, I don't know if this is just McLeod getting used to a guy that isn't the same stature as the rest of his receivers, all these guys that are over six feet that he played with last year, because he just hit it off of Banks's fingertips and Banks would have been able to walk that ball into the, to the end zone. Um, but yeah, he went to him a bunch of times, ends up with three catches for 34 yards. You know, they're really not evaluating, you know, Daniels, Banks, uh, you know, all those study, Giddens Jr. They're not really evaluating them so much, but they just wanted to get a, a sort of rhythm going. But yeah, Jamari Hester, Demonte Coxie, they're looking at carefully. Ernest Edwards, I think they wanted to take a, a good look at. Isaiah Wright. Um, and they uh, also had Darius Roberson out there for a ton uh, of snaps. And and he just didn't, yeah, he just didn't make the stat line. Um, and that was unfortunate because I think they really wanted to see what they had in him as a receiver. They also sent him back there for a bunch of returns to see what they had there. Uh, he had one uh, that was actually pretty nice, but um, but yeah, he wasn't the star of the return game. So it, it was an unfortunate thing. So he's a guy that I've been cheering for, and I really hoped he could put together a good day. He's got such good speed. I just wanted him to pull away from from a Hamilton defender, and that just didn't happen. Uh, let's look at the the special team situation. So, JB, you'll be happy to know that Haggerty was out there holding for Boris Beattie's field goals. Um, so clearly they also see what we see, that this is something that needs to happen. Now, that being said, Boris Beattie missed a couple of field goals, which is really not like Boris Beattie. I couldn't tell from where I was uh what are the chances this is hold-related, habit-related? How much does it matter that you've got the same holder out there every time? Um, uh, I, I mean, it, it it depends on. I mean, it depends on on how um, precious the kicker is. Uh, you know, I mean, some won't care at all. Some get really, really rattled by by change in routine. Um, you know, I I think it's fine. I mean, it, it's going to take some time. Uh, for them, but with Haggerty, they'll have lots of time as a unit to to work on their timing, and um, you know for sure in terms of the hold, if you get used to a certain speed, and if the ball comes in late, or um, you know doesn't have the laces exactly as you want, or is 
you know, a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. Um, that can matter. Um, not usually if a field goal is under 30 yards, to be honest. It's really only the long field goals where you're, uh, you're, you're uh, get, getting it down is so crucial. You, there's no almost no margin for error on a long kick. Everything has to be perfect. You know, with a short kick, um, even if you make mistakes, generally speaking, uh, you can put it through unless you completely shank it. But you know, if you if you miss hit it or or it's not a perfect put down, um, that should be fine. I I wouldn't think that would be an issue on a field goal that's that's less than thirty yards. You know, what's so funny is that we were so spoiled last year with how good Boris Beattie was at kicking field goals. I'm acting like he had a terrible day the way I'm talking about him. He was four of six and the two that he missed were 47 and 52 into Gale Force wins. So, um, you know, I think I think any kicker would probably take that stat line. But with him hitting like 16 straight last year, anytime he misses, we're like, oh, what's What's wrong with Boris Beatty? So, you know, maybe it isn't even the hold. Maybe it isn't anything other than sometimes kickers miss, and especially from those distances. So, you know, I, I probably shouldn't be anywhere nearly as harsh as I am no, uh, with him on that. No, anything over 45 is is a, a serious kick. Yeah. Uh, punt return and kick returns. Uh, this was something that I wanted to pay attention to, uh, and I was happy to see them rotate guys through. So... Uh, in terms of kickoff returns, uh, Isaiah Wright uh, had one return for 19 yards. Javon Leak, one return for 39 yards. And that was a gorgeous one. That that was the, the play where I'm like, you know, that's it. That's the magic that we've been looking for. He looked like what we were asking for last year. A guy that could come in, make moves, show some explosion, have that sort of hard cut up field uh, at the right moment. And yeah, he did exactly that. And it was that play where I'm like, yeah, this this guy just made the team. So I mean, maybe our maybe our, our search is over, JB. We found our our kickoff returner, Javon Leak. Yeah, that's really exciting. I mean, um, uh, I certainly have been have been hoping that something would come, and um, you know, nobody else has popped really. And this is um, well, well. I mean, I I'm really excited to see can he contribute a little more as a running back, but. Yeah, if, if if he can add that to start the season, uh, that would be you know that'll really um, give the Argos offense uh, a push and and better field position um, than we've been starting with you know because the the Argos offense is not uh, unstoppable it, it you know it, it it has to stay on schedule or it kind of goes sideways so uh, the better the field position the team is starting with uh, the better I think things will go. If we uh, turn our attention now to the other side of the ball, uh, Hamilton, in terms of what their offense looked like, you know, they didn't have their usual guys out there. Um, their quarterbacks, uh, Jalen Morton and, and Jamie Newman, uh, you know, guys that, that you're not going to see in the season. So it, it was a little tough to evaluate some guys because it, it, it's, it's difficult when you're not getting great quarterback play. And... Uh, you know, with so many linemen in and out, and they've had injury issues there too. So they weren't going to put, you know, their healthy guys um, out there for a long time. Uh, the defense looked outstanding, but I think it's important not to get too carried away because it wasn't uh, Hamilton's tier one guys. Um, that said, um, Robert Priester, I thought had a really nice game. They had him at halfback. 
He was playing with the starters. He basically played the whole game, ended up leading the team in tackles. I thought he made some really nice plays. He had a pass breakup pretty early on where he was disguising coverage right until the last second. The quarterback didn't see him. He broke on the ball and had the receiver not made a nice play. I think that's probably a pick. It ended up getting knocked away. But yeah, I thought he really stood out on the defense. I still think I still think uh, McFadden is is going to be something this year, um, and you know those guys getting them time um, as much time as the, as they can. I think is only going to be a positive thing. Chris Edwards was out there again with the starters. Yeah. Uh, had quite a bit of time. You're not surprised by that? No, I I thought that that they that they probably would in that. Um... You know, I mean, sometimes you you, you got to find that balance between what you want to do as a coach and and what keeps your player going. And um, you know, sometimes you have to treat your blue flame players a little differently because that kind of blue flame is rare, and you know, comes with the occasional hiccup like the suspension. Um, but you know, that's that's part of the art of coaching as well. Is you know, some players have to be treated a little differently than others and, and not necessarily um, how you want immediately because, you know, you want to keep that blue flame pointed in the right direction. The defensive line looked outstanding in that first unit, but again, they're going against guys that are much better than. But really all game long, I thought I thought the D-line played okay. Uh, you know, the... the the linebackers, uh, you know, it was hit and miss, but a couple guys really did stand out. Jonathan Jones had a really nice game. Um, he had some beautiful hits. He played disciplined. There were a couple of plays where I felt like he could have locked on to underneath routes a little sooner. You could see him register, but he was he was he sort of got caught looking around to see if there was a, a crosser coming back the other way, and he, you know he was worried about getting baited into. The, the short end of a high low and was then, you know, ended up being a little bit late um, to get in on the tackle. But aside from those couple plays, I thought he looked really good and way more comfortable than we saw him last week. So that's a, that's a positive sign. And if you're looking for th- reasons that you'll keep guys around, reasons guys will make the roster is when they show tangible improvements. Last week, he looked okay. And this week, he looked really good. And that's that's enough to to keep a guy around. How did the second unit of defensive backs look? I'm, I'm curious because there's going to be some uh, real uh, tough decisions that have to be made. Yeah, and they were tough to evaluate too, because again, the quarterbacks for Hamilton weren't doing too much, but uh, some up and down play, like Deion Harris had a really nice pick. Actually, it was a fantastic play. They had so much pressure on the quarterback. I can't remember which quarterback was in at the time. I, I think it was Morton that was in. And it, two consecutive plays was like turned upside down. He did like cartwheels. He was hit so hard. And on the, the second one, that was where Harris got in there for the pick. But I think it was Harris who got beat for that deep touchdown pass after the Chad Kelly pick, that 34-yard touchdown. And I think it was he and Tiggy Sanko that were back there in that area. And there was some sort of bust. So a little bit up and down there. You know who I thought had a really nice game was Matt Botang. Uh, he... He was all over his guy in man coverage, but he also had a really heads-up play to uh, break up a screen um, that was set up beautifully. He was able to shed his block and just come flying in to blow it up. So, you know, I thought he looked really good, and he really needed uh, he needed a big game. This was that was huge for him. So, yeah, those guys uh, did stand out. Um, 
There was an injury uh, that I am a little bit concerned about. Eric Sutton, who I think has a real chance to be a player as a Canadian, uh, as a Canadian safety. Uh, he was banged up early in the game and I didn't see, I don't think he came back in after that. Uh, other injuries uh, of note, uh, Ernest Edwards uh, got banged up. That was kind of an unfortunate one. Uh, there was a deep ball down the sideline. He was on a go route. He ended up getting called for OPI. It was, I don't know, it was, it was hard to see without a replay. Um, they, there was contact on, on both sides as they were running, but it looked like Ernest Edwards kind of grabbed the defender and sort of pulled him to the ground, but the defender landed on top of him. Looked like he might have hyperextended his knee or, um, or twisted his knee awkwardly because they fell and it looked really uncomfortable. And while he was able to get to the sideline under his own power, it, you know, he wasn't uh, comfortable at all. And then I, I think we've got to mention Javon Leak's injury too. After his amazing punt return work, uh, he then uh, took a punt and absorbed a, a pretty low hit. It was slow to get up and he was limping noticeably on the sideline. Now he was looked at by the training staff and I, you know, I don't know what they said to him, but he didn't go back to the locker room and change. He had his helmet back on like he was waiting to go back in the game. He never did, but uh, that would suggest to me that they think he's going to be okay. But, I, you know, those are the injuries that I, I'm kind of worried about a little bit. Yeah, I, I think especially with a guy like Leak, like it's such a a small window, you know, to make a team at that specific skill point. And it can be so hard to catch up. You know, those, those early season injuries for new players are just deadly. You know, you you see it over and over again with teams is, you know, guys, uh, guys miss those early practices and it's really hard to, to get those reps later because you're just not going to get the same kind of, um, installation because the installation's already done so now the argos head into their bye week uh, which again i hate so much i i can't wait for the atlantic schooners to arrive on the scene whenever that will be because this this nine teams thing like you just you can't have a team and we've had it for years now but you can't have a team start the season on a bye and i feel like it's been toronto a few times in the last couple years uh, it's just such an anticlimactic way to start. Like, I want to get going next week when everyone else is, and now you got to sit around for a week. Uh, what do you do? What's your plan? How do you attack this? Um, yeah, I think you have to take it as a positive. It gives you a whole extra week uh, for install um, to to have a better, sort of more sophisticated opening game. I, I, it's okay, actually. I, I would rather... I would rather have this than have a, a week two buy. If I were going to choose between the two, have another week gives you some time to work on some things. Really, kind of prep as a veteran team. Um, I think it's going to be really useful for them. They're, they don't need to play a team to get film to look at what they want to work on. Like, you know, a team maybe if you're Ottawa or British Columbia, you know all due respect, um, and you're wondering what you have, you want to see immediately, what do we have? You know, are we going to lose 40 nothing? Can we hold our own in a game? I don't think the Argos are concerned about what they have. Uh, I think they're looking to uh, polish things. So, uh, in fact, I think a first-week buy is, is all right. 
And how do you feel about the quarterback situation going into this by knowing that Chad Kelly was sort of had moments of being on fire and McLeod Bethel-Thompson didn't have the kind of game that I think he was probably hoping for? Um, I don't I don't think at this point there's any quarterback competition. Um, you know, I think, you know, Chad Kelly is still incredibly inexperienced and where, you know, those interceptions in a, in a nothing game versus twos and threes, you know, are more like sort of an eyebrow raiser, but in a real game, you know, I, I have horrible memories of previous Argo quarterbacks uh, turning the ball over from their own 20 um, and just burying the team. Um, So I, I don't think anybody's going to be in a rush to, to make Chad Kelly a starter. And I don't think so either, but I, I actually think this is a positive because like we've talked about before, I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson is at his best when there's somebody breathing down his neck. And so I think knowing that, and again, he didn't play badly today. He, he was fine, but I think he probably, I, I think he'd probably be disappointed in his play. I think he'll probably look at the film and think he should have hit uh, a few guys that he just missed. And and I, I think that's a, a place that you want McLeod Bethel-Thompson in, where he feels pressure and where he, he looks at the guy behind him and he's coming hard and and playing well. And, and he's like, OK, I got to pick my myself up. Because when Arbuckle um, was on the scene last year, that's when we saw the best play from McLeod Bethel-Thompson. So I, I don't think there's any I don't think there's any quarterback controversy. I don't think I don't really think there will be all year this year. I don't think it's it's set up like that. But. I think the better Chad Kelly plays, the better McLeod Bethel Thompson will play. So I think that's a good thing going to a long week because it's going to sit with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see McLeod Bethel Thompson come out in that opener against Montreal and just light them up because he's got two weeks now of sitting with this. So, you know, that's that's what I'm hoping for. So the Argos home opener and season opener uh, week two is Thursday, June 16th. Montreal is in town. It's a 7.30 start, Thursday night football. Uh, tickets available, of course, if you can make it down to BMO Field. That is going to be a great one. Uh, I, I can't wait to see that. But I guess in the meantime, our our attention will focus to Montreal at Calgary uh, this coming Thursday because we'll get a chance to look at what the Alouettes look like. And I know today uh, Chandler Worthy put up some numbers, so... Uh, I'm pretty sure we can expect to see him. Yeah, that's. I think we kind of knew that that that, that would happen. Yeah, uh, I, it is nice. And another perk is having uh, extra film um, so that you can watch your opponent and they have no film on you. Um, that's one of the other nice parts of it. Uh, so that'll be, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see if uh, if Montreal has... Uh, enough to really push us. Uh, I thought they did last year by the end of the season. I wonder if, if that's where they are still or if they're going to take take a, you know half the season to kind of ramp up to that again. And, and, you know, they have some quarterback questions as well, so I wouldn't mind us sending them spiraling off into a quarterback controversy, um, <laughs> you know, after our game together because certainly our defense has the ability uh, to make um, – you know, Vernon's not look very good. So I'm I'm also looking forward to that. Just before we sign off, so Chandler Worthy tonight, two kickoff returns for 84 yards, a 47-yard return uh, in there, and a 37-yard return. 
Um, that's that's so frustrating. If Chandler Worthy runs back a touchdown against the Argonauts, I uh, I, I might just leave the stadium at that point. <laughs> so I mean, you know, uh, I think. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you do look at scheme, and I I don't think that uh, the special team return scheme has been one that has been awe-inspiring, to be honest, from the Argos. So, you know, look, it it could potentially be that, you know, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Let's wait. Let's wait till the games count before we make anybody uh, a hero of the exhibition season. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Again, the Argos get their first win of the preseason. As the preseason wraps up, Toronto wins 18-17 over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And we sit and wait for week two. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long. And may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.